0: Brian Reynolds gets signed for life, basically, on the day that Bob Nutting commits to having even more long-term extensions in his thought process on the day that I just, there was a game too, you know, good morning to you, good Thursday morning, I'm Dan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports, and this is Daily Shot of Pirates. Probably the most upbeat program available in podcast form anywhere on the planet at this point. It comes your way bright and early every weekday. If you're into football and or hockey, I still offer daily shots of Steelers and Penguins, the other two teams I cover in town. Pirates 8, Dodgers 1. Ronzi Contreras, with five no-hit innings, managed to get through six. I thought he was outstanding. I thought it was the sharpest form he'd shown. He told me after the game that he was happiest with the fact that he could use his curve as an out pitch, and he didn't care that there were times when it would be clear that the Dodgers were going to sit on that curve because he knew it was moving. He has his fastball command. He has his off-speed stuff. He has his poise through the roof. Let us not forget about this young man about whom everybody was all giddy about just a couple of years ago. The bottom of the order of Rodolfo Castro, Juan Bae, and Jason DeLay combined for eight hits, six RBIs, and four steals. <laughs> That's the 7-8-9. Further cementing not only the the smarts that Ben Charrington showed in having these guys and making sure that they're on the roster uh, in a year where this was going to be valued, uh, the speed commodity. The Pirates currently lead the majors in steals. And these guys are making it happen, uh, and it takes so much pressure off the main guys, the top of the order. Can't say enough about them. And you know what? I could offer a couple other things from the game. Uh, I could get into Drew Maggi and his uh, amazing scene when he came up for his big league debut at age 34 after 13 years of riding buses in the minors. and. I got to tell you, it's all, all of that, all of that is about hold your thumb and your forefinger about a quarter of an inch apart. It's about that small next to what occurred earlier in the day. It really is. That's not to belittle the rest of it. That's just how big the Reynolds extension is and the signal that it sends not just to you and to me. And to people on the outside like us. But internally, everything changes. As Reynolds is sitting there on that press conference table, a Dais up front in that room, the rest of the room had all of the players, all of his teammates, lining the back of it, all the way around. Rookies, Cutch, Santana, everybody. Okay? They wanted to show their support for their best player. They wanted to make a show of it. They wanted to be there in front of uh, Blair, Brian's wife, his two very young kids, and all of the management. Everybody there, including Nutting and Charrington up there. Everybody was in one room. Everybody was celebrating one event Everybody was working toward and thinking of a common goal. My friends, this franchise in the span of, what's it been now? A month? Is that how old this season is? How long ago was it that we were in Cincinnati? That that couldn't have even been a month. No, it's, it's less than a month. What's happened here is the most rapid Dramatic transformation of a team's fortunes that I've ever covered. And I, I could talk about the 200 lost seasons and I could talk about, you know, all the waiver claims and, you know, even these guys talking about punting on 2023 late in the year and, and everything else. And, and even that isn't it. I'm just talking about from A month ago, they won that first game against the Reds out there. They lost the next two and it was, here it is. It's going to be an up and down season. Everything's just going to be okay. Um, set your sights low, 70 wins, whatever it is. It's about time they stop the bleeding and every, and, and then this, and then all of this, they're 18 and seven. They have the second best record in the majors. They're first in the Central Division, a game ahead of the Brewers, who, by the way, are playing pretty great ball themselves. They're top 10 in virtually every team stat that exists, even bleeping home runs. And they lost O'Neill Cruz to a four-month injury weeks ago. What are we watching here? What are we... Like, I've had to think... To myself, as as I'm commuting to these games, I, I live downtown, so I take the subway over. And it, it's one of the few occasions in which I'm away from a laptop. I'm not writing or recording or whatever, and I have some actual, you know, free time and brain space. And I I try to put into my head here: what is this that I'm about to cover? What is this that I've already covered? What are we seeing here? The only stunner. The only stunner. Out of everything that I saw last night was that Maggie didn't hit a bomb on the very first pitch he saw. He sure swung for it. (laughs) He sure swung for it. Pulled that baby really foul way ahead, way ahead. You can imagine he'd built up some eagerness over a decade and a half of sitting on buses. But the rest of this and the crowd... I can't even say enough about that crowd. It was 12,000 and change. It wasn't big, but my goodness, were these people into it. Chance, specific chance, Uh, the respect that they showed for Maggie, the closest they came to getting some kind of indicator was over the PA system when Guy Junker said, Uh, his first major league at bat, which they'll do for every player. But it's not like Maggi was drummed up with some kind of video or whatever. They just knew. They knew who he was. They'd known his story already. They knew what he'd been through, and they knew this was a special moment. And they responded in kind. Gave Reynolds a standing ovation with his first at bat. Started some of these Yankee-style chants in the outfield where you start chanting. If any of you have been to a game in the Bronx the Yankees fans have done this forever well they'll chant somebody's name repeatedly until that player will acknowledge them even during play like they'll just kind of raise a right hand or something like that or tip a cap or whatever it is and they started that for Reynolds in about the 8th inning and, and Reynolds who knew about this very clearly uh, acknowledged it and they were like okay cool let's pick another player So they did one for Carlos Santana. Carlos acknowledged them. And I was like, this is Pittsburgh. What are we... What is happening here? What is happening? When we come back, J1Q. This portion of Daily Shot of Pirates is brought to you by our friends at North Shore Tavern. That's directly across Federal Street from PNC Park. It's home of Steak on a Stone. comes from Jeremy, who asks DK, with the impact that Jiwon Bay has had on the offense, including in this game with the steals and the speed, and his suspect defense, could the Pirates utilize him better as a DH? I'm not going to go as far as you just did in referring to his defense as suspect. This is someone who... Played a pretty prominent role in that sweep in Boston, as I recall, with the circus catches he was making at Fenway Park. Uh, This is not a poor defensive player. He's done some unusual things. He's done some head-scratching things. Most of them looked like, to me, uh, over-eagerness. They look like somebody who's just wound up way too much. Now... You can knock him for that or you can say that that's part of the personality that you actually like because that's also the foundation of what you're seeing from him on the base pass or beating out all these infield singles that he does. He is exciting. He is really, really full of energy. So when he was charging that pop-up you're probably thinking of on Tuesday night, Coming in from center field, he's coming a really long way. He's not only thinking about squeezing the ball, but you could tell very visibly he's thinking about the next play, the next thing that he needs to do, and that's that's immaturity. that's all that is. That's something that you just coach yourself out of after a while. I don't think he's a defensively deficient player at all, at least not now. I don't think that now. if he keeps doing this you know a year or two from now or whatever, yeah, that's going to be an issue. DH, I think, is going to remain, in general, a power position until it isn't. Managers and even in other sports, head coaches are very, very slow to change foundational practices, meaning foundational within the sport, even when the rules change. So if their version of what a DH should look like is Jim Tomey, then they're going to keep trying to find a Jim Tomey to put out there. Make him the cleanup guy. Let him swing for the fences and scare the hell out of the other team. Okay? Right now, most of the DH at bats, as you've seen, have gone to Kutch. I kind of like that. I don't want Kutch wearing down. I don't want Kutch getting hurt. The less he's in the field, the less chance that either of those things happen. I want his bat. I want his presence in the lineup. So, I Kutch is going to be your guy. Kutch is going to be your DH. There's going to be times uh, as Shelton has indicated already and he's demonstrated a couple of times you're going to see Santana, you're going to see uh, you're going to see Reynolds when you're trying to give him a breather but you still want to have his bat in the lineup. Uh, when he comes back, you're going to see G-Man Choi get some of that work. Those guys are more your prototypical dhs i don't believe you're gonna see that from bay i appreciate the question i appreciate everyone listening to daily shot of pirates i don't know how you made it this long (laughs) to have gone through so many episodes to finally get to this one let's do it again tomorrow